You are about to receive messages that may be harmful to your mental state. Your sense of reality will be questioned. Your view on things will be altered. You are now part of the Meta. The Meta controls everything. The Meta determines what will and will not happen. You are watching the Meta Show. And good afternoon, all of my fellow shut-ins across the world. This is the Meta Show for Saturday, March 14th, Pi Day, 3.14. So for all you nerds, I know this is a national holiday for you, so I hope you're out there with your protractors and, and, and getting ready to have a fun show. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the Matani. Oh, thank you so much. I, I only recently learned uh, a few years ago about Pi Day being a nerd holiday, and uh, it was basically just an excuse to go eat really fancy cheesecake, uh, which I guess you probably can't do or go to a restaurant or anything. But if you have pie or you have cheesecake or you're going to make a pie, uh, it's a it's a good excuse to basically just load up on delicious sugar. Uh, and, you know, that's about as close as I get to mathematics in general is, uh, you know, eating pie on pie day. Otherwise, it's all just sort of uh, Greek to me, I guess. All right. So we have a we've got a pretty crazy show, guys. Um, I, I'm really excited about it because. I am going to learn a lot about shit that I have no understanding of. Uh, basically, there was this whole mess of things that took place over the week uh, while I was running around and setting up my little apocalypse bunker or whatever the hell. Uh, there was a huge slap fight in Oracle space that I do not understand. We have some of the major players involved in that. We have uh, Exokis, who, or Exoki, who I just learned you don't actually pronounce the Z, it's a silent Z. That's how much I know about what's going on. And we also have Laura Seco back again. And, uh, you know, Brisk also has been very involved with wormhole stuff. And so hopefully these guys are going to explain to us, the NullSec audience that typically watches uh, the meta show, uh, why these guys are so mad at each other, what the hell happened uh, over the course of the last week involving wormhole space, and also how some of these nerfs that have come down are impacting, like there's something involving frigate mass hole things that the wormhole guys are really mad about. I don't understand, but we are gonna learn. It's going to be interesting. So this is not going to be like one of these Jerry Springer shows where like our two wormhole guests are on opposing sides. They they were on opposing sides and I think they are mad at each other. But this is more intended to be like a what the hell is happening, uh, sort of spoon feeding us NullSec people why these guys are fighting and what happened. But even before we get to that, we have some more crazy shit that's going on. And I'm delighted that we get a chance to break out one of my favorite segments that we don't normally get to do because we rarely have news that's there. Lawyer joke time, guys. We're going to be piercing the corporate veil. And the way we're going to be piercing the corporate veil is uh, Brisk is going to press a button, and then we're going to be talking a lot first, before we get to the wormhole stuff, about things that are happening in uh, China with the Serenity server. And I think that's going to be really interesting. So uh, Brisk, uh, take us away. So as Minton said, uh, one of the things I think is probably the biggest thing that we have seen in the last couple of months in EVE, especially for CCP, and I think also for, for Tranquility Server, is the fact that finally, two years later, the Chinese government has finally agreed to give NetEase a license to publish EVE Online in China. Now this was a huge, huge, huge issue, huge, huge deal for the company and for uh, for, for, for players in, of, of EVE Online over in China. And I think 
one of the things that I think we need to talk about is I think this has a lot of implications, so I want to go through it with you guys because I think it's a pretty big deal. So let's roll back time. For the longest time, I want to say since 2012 until 2016, Eve was online in China. Uh, a company called Tiancity was their was their 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 publisher for the for the most part. Essentially, what happens in China is Western games tend to partner with a Chinese publishing company. Blizzard, for example, has long time partnered with NetEase, and CCP had had, had partnered with Tiancity, and they published Eve Online as Eve Online in China. Serenity Server was region locked to China. You had to be in that area in order to play on it, and it was all Chinese language. And the game, up until late 2016, got all the same updates that Main Eve got. But at, at some point at 2016, Tiancity, they decided to change over uh, who was publishing the game. And the result of that was they never got the Apocrypha release. So there was no change in there was no or I started the Ascension release so there was no Alpha and Omega clones and everything that basically happened from Citadels to today no one in China got and then in 2018 CCP finally inked a deal with NetEase to take over publishing of the of the uh, uh, the Eve Online property over in China that's a big deal because NetEase is a massive company they are huge they are one of the, the biggest gaming companies in the world, let alone in China. They're probably, I think they're number two in China, but they're, they're the top 10, you know, internationally. Uh, they do about $3 billion a year in business. It's, it's a pretty big company. And as I said, they've had a contract with Blizzard for a long time, I think eight or nine years now. Uh, and they publish all of Blizzard's stuff over there. They've done Overwatch. They've done World of Warcraft. They've done um, regular Warcraft, Starcraft, all those types of games. Uh, over in China, and, that, and that's been a big deal. NetEase is also CCP's partner on Eve Echoes, the mobile game that's going to be coming out. So here's what's happening. I mean, essentially what we're finally seeing, because the Chinese government gave the okay, since the Serenity server was shut down in 2018, we have seen a large number of players coming over from Serenity to Tranquility to play over here because they don't have another chance to play Eve. So we saw, for example, Army of Mangoes is, is the... Tranquility version of the Pangalactic Business uh, Corporation, which was like the big group uh, over in over in Serenity, and they've been they've been on on our server. I want to say for six or probably more than six months now. They've already announced that when Serenity comes back online, they're going to go back. Now, some of the other Chinese groups like Fraternity, they are going to stick around, at least according to, to Fulcrum and some of the folks we've talked to. Those groups are going to be here. They're not going anywhere. But the but groups like uh, groups like you know, the old PIBC groups are probably going to go back to Serenity. Now, we don't know. Now, Mittens and I have talked about this. I tried to get CCP to confirm this before the show, but we weren't able to get an answer. There's, we're not 100% sure whether they're going to wipe the Serenity server and start from scratch or where everybody's going to pick up where they left off in 2018. Regardless, the game is going to be completely different from those new players coming in than it has been for even for the folks that were there before. Because all the stuff that they could do in 2018, I mean, think about it. No trig shifts, no nerfs to Titans, no haw nerfs, no uh, none of the changes to moon mining. They still have passive income on Serenity when they shut it down. All that type of stuff never got fixed. So all of that's going to be brand new to these players. Uh, I think this is going to be a big deal. I think if they do the marketing right, 
there's a huge potential synergy with between Eve Echoes and the online game, the desktop game. I think CCP is going to make a lot of money and get a lot of uh, a lot of new subscribers. And I think, frankly, China, as much as the rest of us, you know, they need as much diversion uh, and, and entertainment during the pandemic as the rest of us do. And this is something that you can do at home. So I feel like th this is a, probably the best time that they possibly could have uh, finally got the license for, set for this game. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the reason why the Chinese government finally got off their butts and let them do that, because uh, this had been languishing for about a year and a half. So what do you think, Mintz? I, uh, you know, it's interesting because it's news to me. Uh, I, I've been obviously busy with a whole bunch of different things, and I did not know until you just announced it here that there was an Army of Mangoes announcement that they were going to be going back. So that that is news to me. Uh, that is going to make an impact on the politics of tranquility, if that's true. Uh, one of the things that I, I think is, uh, I, I don't know how many people are actually going to go back to it because, uh, you know, one of the reasons why we started seeing refugees essentially from the losing side of the, the Chinese equivalent of the Great War coming to tranquility uh, starting several years ago was the fact that there was a particular change in the way that uh, area effect Titan weapons worked, where they would not actually drain one another if you were doing like mass bosoning or whatever. I forget whether it was the boson or one of the others, uh, but basically what that allowed. And a lot of people uh, credit to Rooks and Kings and an amazing video that they produced sort of explaining the differences between Serenity and Tranquility. Uh, this allowed a small network of Titans to basically bounce around the galaxy and just annihilate subcap fleets, sort of like the battle days of remote doomsdays uh, and even area effect doomsdays. Uh, during the Great War on Tranquility. So one of the, so this is actually, if that oppression, if that particular difference in game balance between Tranquility and Serenity uh, has not been adjusted, uh, I think that, you know, the people that were the, the galactic rulers over on Serenity have an incentive to go back to uh, running a galaxy that they have essentially uh, total power over. Like, you know, if the Imperium could bounce around and just vaporize subcap fleets without having to worry about the capacitor of our titans getting nuked for doing it uh it would be madness right like we we know what that happens because we've seen that kind of behavior during the great war with the aoe doomsdays with the remote doomsday, doomsdays battle days we're talking like 2007 2008 era eve um and uh so it, it's a real question right there's an incentive for the people that were running the galaxy on Serenity back in 2018 to go back there and you know sort of retake their throne and you know run that galaxy, but the real question is, uh, it always and this is like a super nerdy reference, but uh, I am in that age group where I grew up reading like Dragonlance novels when I was in like the seventh and the eighth grade, like the the Weiss Hickman, like Raceland and Caramon and all that all that shit. And one of the things that always sort of struck me, and this was the, the question that people would ask me periodically, I got asked, you know, why don't goons try to conquer the entire galaxy? Why don't you try to take everything over, you know, whatever. Uh, and uh, in the second Dragonlance trilogy, I get deep, deep bench nerd shit here, guys. In the second Dragonlance trilogy, Raceland becomes a fucking god. And they're like going back in time to like the, the time of troubles where there's like an asteroid getting dropped on Kryn. I can't believe I remember the stuff with this level of specificity. I have not read these books since fucking I'm impressed because I can't remember any of that stuff from back to back. But, but that's good. Basically, uh, basically there, there's a scene where Raceland has become a god and he has conquered everything and he's miserable because in this particular timeline, uh, he is ruling over a dead world. 
And believe me, as somebody who enjoys the whole emperor and the space tyrant thing, uh, it's not much fun unless you can actually rule and have an empire. And so that I think is going to be one of the challenges that these guys have uh, is if there are not enough people to have the empire uh, to, to fight against, essentially ruling over a dead world, ruling over a dead galaxy is not that much fun. So if Army of Mangoes goes back and wants to become uh, sort of the, the top dog of Serenity, the real question is going to be, do enough other players come back now? Enough players may come back because, like you said, uh, or new players joining the game in the first place because NetEase is running EVE Echoes, and that will likely be a funnel of new players going into uh, the Serenity game where Army of Mangoes, I assume, is going to try to take up ownership and leadership. Uh, so it, it, we don't know. I, mean, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. Uh, I think that the Chinese alliances that are more invested in what's happening in Tranquility and the fact that there is like an active series of wars and people, you know, when people are mad, when people are angry about things in a video game, they stick to it. Like EVE Online during the Great War was a horrifically unbalanced game. In the year of our Lord 2020, as much as we complain about this or that, like the game is so much better balanced than in 2006 to 2009. Uh, and also 2006 to 2009, there was the T20 scandal, like we found out the devs were cheating against us. There were so many reasons to not play EVE during the Great War, but we played the hell out of the game because we were really, really tremendously ass-blasted. Right, like we were, we were so mad. We were so so angry collectively as a player base that we didn't really care about the lack of balance in the game. We just wanted to kill the other guy. And uh, I think that what we're seeing and what I hope happens, because I don't want us to lose our Chinese community uh, that has established itself within Tranquility. But my my hope is that uh, the people that have played on Tranquility enough to have rivalries and to get ass blasted, as it were, at each other, uh, that will hold them into uh, tranquility. But we'll have to see. I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, it is fascinating because it's very rare that you have an MMO that was going along, shut down for such a long period of time, and then turn on again. And what does that mean? We don't know, but we're going to see. I think it's going to be really interesting in the coming months. I agree. And I think even even taking, taking a step back and looking at this from, from a business perspective, I think having having come off of a pretty successful Korean relaunch to doing a Chinese relaunch with its own server over there. Uh, I think now is probably the best time they could have possibly done it. Like I said before, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the impact is on the, of this change on the income, at least for the, for hopefully whenever we get a, a, a release date, apparently they are doing an open beta before they do a full launch. So we will see the timeline and we haven't got any dates yet, but I would assume and I would like to hope that probably this is in by second quarter. So if they do, a, if they have a solid second quarter, I think that that would be great for the game. And I think it'd be great for us. All the money that they bring in, the more money they bring in, the more they can put into developing the game. So that means we can hire more people and do more stuff and, and they don't have to worry about uh, any of that kind of thing. And they can hit their numbers with, uh, with Pearl Abyss and make everybody happy. And when developers are happy and investors are happy, then we tend to be happy because good stuff happens. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think it's going to be great. Uh, pivoting off of China for a minute and pulling it back to the game briefly before we get to our guests and our top story, I uh, just want to go over some stuff to make sure you guys are aware of things that have been happening in the game in terms of CCP stuff in the last week. First, market changes went live. If you haven't seen those, uh, 
I would you probably have seen those already. Just I would just double check and, and keep an eye out for that. Uh, we're still trying to figure out what the impact is going to be on those changes, but so far it hasn't seemed that dramatic. So I think that's probably a good thing. Second thing is, skilling spree is now active again. Skilling is a means of communication. If you got uh, as a play on the killing is a means of communication song from uh, from uh, uh, Permaband, and if you haven't seen that, this is the first time that there's been an in-game kind of live event that I can recall that was focused solely on PvP. In order to get those skill points, in the past you had to go out and kill a rat, or and it was random how many rats you had to kill. Now you have to go out and get top damage on a capsuleer. Not just the final blow, you got to get top damage. And I think that, I, I, I was out PvPing and I, we killed about 30 or 40 people today, and I think I finally got it after I got one time where I got top damage, so I, got, I finally got my skilling spree done. So that's available, and that's extra skill points. Take advantage of that. And then finally, I'm going to log in bonus weekend this weekend. If you haven't logged all your tunes in, do it now. And yes, I said tunes because I'm a boomer, apparently. And if, <laughs> and if you haven't, make sure you hit that and, and get those free skill points because whether you use them or not, they're nice to have in the bank, and don't ever not take something that's given to you for free. So that's the end of that. I think with that, means if you're ready, I think we can transition. Let's go in here and uh, and and get to our top story. Yeah, we can ask them about uh, our mommies, our toonies, and our uh, our desis. Exactly. I'm, I'm excited. And welcome, Exuki from Scary Wormhole People, also the, the Dark Space Initiative, and Laura Secco-Cross from Hard Knocks. Uh, these are our two guests today. It's great to have you guys on the show. Uh, yeah, thank you for having us. Both happy to be here. Yeah, great to be here. <clears throat> so, could, yeah, go ahead, sorry, please. if you guys could like introduce yourselves, like just to begin with, assuming that you are talking to an audience of people from Nullsec that are like me, like Brisk knows lots about wormhole stuff, and I keep repeating this because it's true. I am flying blind here. Uh, we've had Laura Seco as a guest on the show before, but just assuming from nothing, uh, let's start with as uh, Exoki's. I always fuck up the pronouncing of this name. Exo, Exo, if you could introduce yourself and explain who you are in Wormhole Land and what organization you represent, and then we'll do the same for Laura Seco, and so we know who the hell you guys are. How about that? Sure. Um... So I'm Exuki Z. Uh, I generally just go by EXO, although I'm quite used to over the years uh, people pronouncing my name a lot of different ways. Um, I've been playing Eve for about 11 years. Almost entirely of it uh, was actually in wormhole space. Um, you know, I'll have been with my corp for 11 years in June. Um, so the Dark Space Initiative is really the corp. It's uh, the only relevant corporation in scary wormhole people. Um, all the other courses that we have had and still have are, are really just people's alts kind of stuff. Um, but so I, I'm a wormholer pretty much uh, through and through. You know, that's that's all I've got going for me, so to speak. I've been all over Eve Which is as, nice. as your Eve adventures take you. But, you know, I've never been, uh, you know, I've, I haven't sat through or been a part of any large null groups. I've never done faction warfare. Uh, I did do high sec missions as, you know, yeah. back in... In two thousand, so in two thousand and nine, that was that was where you started, though. Um, so you know, I started in high sec missions, and eventually my worm, I joined a corp, and we were wormhole diving. We didn't live in them, and then next thing you know, we did live in them, and then 
from there we we haven't really left um i'm also uh you know i'm uh, i'm currently the 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 wormhole csm candidate um so i'm on uh i i'm not just supported by wormhole space but i'm on the csm as well uh, i was at the summit last week and um been doing my best to help make eve a better place Excellent. Uh, Laura Seco, who the hell are you and why should we care? Uh, hi, I'm Laura Seco. I, uh, I've been in Hard Knocks for about five years now and uh, one of Hard Knocks' head of ops for a little over one year of that time. I, I'm what I'd call an Asakai baby. I started just after the Battle of Asakai because of all the news coverage. Uh, <laughs> ended up, there you go. Ended up in Grave Newbies, which I think most people who started around then ended up in Grave Newbies. I was there for a couple months before I got poached by Suez, Black Omega Security into Goon Swarm. Had a blast there. I was in the Halloween War. Was on field for BTACAR. I think I was in a crow. Hoard on a few Titans. Went for Good dinner. Man. Came back. Still at full shields. Uh, after that, I got the wormhole bug. I joined Hard Knocks about late 2014. And I've I've been there ever since, plus or minus a, a few months here and there in different case-based groups. I was in Skill Yourself for the whole drone war, kicking the RF out, which was... A very interesting experience. Basically, my only experience of soft warfare post Dominion, and then rejoined uh, in late 2018 into Hard Knocks just in time to get our ass kicked by in at the first time. Got given leadership position shortly after, and I've been here ever since. So that, that's excellent, and I think uh, the fact that you guys are both here, and I appreciate you both coming on, and I know that. Because of the recent unpleasantness, for those that don't know, I'm going to run through this very quickly. You guys can correct any of my facts if I get them wrong, but I don't want to belabor this because I feel like every other show has talked about this. And so if you are not aware of what has happened in wormhole space in the last week or so, then you are under a rock and you're probably not watching the show anyway. And I tend to think that our viewers are some of the more savvy and well-informed viewers of EVE Online Media, so they understand what's going on. So anyway... Uh, HK, along with Inner Hell and Hull Control and Laser Hawks, evicted TDSIN, which is one of the main corps in Scary Wormhole People, uh, from their 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 home wormhole, which was nicknamed Solaris. And that that happened, I guess it was last Sunday. Was the final was the final hull timer? Was that is that right? Yeah. Miss? Yep. And that was the end, and that was essentially it. Now I, we haven't gotten a, a full idea of how much loot was dropped. I've heard. Two trillion was the claim. Do you guys have any idea what the what the number? Final yeah, I number can, was? I can confirm that now because I'm staring at the list of loot right now. It was me? All right, so perfect. We'll, so we'll, two trillion we'll, worth of of isk was was uh, was no, looted from that eviction. Not. I'll uh, I'll correct you quickly there. We uh we pulled one point two trillion isk from Solaris, but that also included everything we took in with us. I made a mistake. Okay, I mixed right, everything up. Got, I'd say it. conservatively 500 to 600 billion was looted from Which is the still US. good. I mean, that's still that's still a, a pretty good. What's, pretty solid uh, what's Solaris? I mean, other than Solaris 7 from, you know, Battletech. Yeah, how did you pick uh, that name? Uh, what is oh, it? Geez. Uh, I actually couldn't even tell you. So um, it's, it's common for wormhole corporations to give a name to their home system. Um, because you know like in wormhole space our system names are j and then a bunch of numbers that's like hard to remember it's not very sexy at all um and so no you know only the only the lame corpse call home actually just home so when you're saying hey there's a fleet in x 
you know, very, very few corps are ever referring to wormholes by their J code. So like our, whatever our static is, is called static. Like no one actually cares what the J code is. Um, when we moved in about five years ago, we had a poll, people suggested, you know, sci-fi sounding names so what we were going to call it. Um, and Solaris is what won, is, is my recollection. Um, one of my court members in chat's telling me it's actually just the person that found it got the name, it, which could also be true, I actually don't remember. But if in whatever case, our home system was called Solaris um, and uh, it, that's where we've lived for the last five years. Okay, so so essentially, TDSIN had been in there for five years and had accumulated enough stuff for five years, and the battles inside that wormhole were some of the biggest. I would say, are they? Would you would you guys agree with me that it was probably the biggest fights in wormhole space? Yeah, in terms I of think raw numbers. Well, in terms of raw numbers, I think the first time the first battle in Rage outclassed that, but the fighting okay. in Rage wasn't very severe back in 2018. It was definitely the bloodiest fight in wormhole space by quite a long way. I think it was double the scale of second place, which would have been the eviction of Pos Party in mid 2018. Yep, I was going to say that that's probably the contender for Predator Bloodiest. Although, thinking back, I don't think we have to dig too far back before we're eventually just going to get find our way back to the last time we got evicted in 2016, which also was a like four or five hundred billionist campaign. And who did that to you guys last time? Oh, the, them again. It was them too. Okay. Yeah, that was. I'm, right. I, I was AFK at the time. I'm, I'm waiving responsibility for that one. <laughs> so essentially, at least the, the last week, we've seen some major, major fighting in these wormholes, uh, in Solaris in particular. And then additionally, when Solaris was under attack, uh, Initiative and other groups were able to sneak into HK's home, Wormhole of Rage, and evict them. And that was basically a reprise of what had happened last year, although it was on a much smaller scale. There weren't any keep stars in there anymore, just a couple of faction fortazars and a lot of other structures. So the amount of ISK that was brought out of there was nothing compared to what happened with Solaris or what happened last time in Rage. It was really kind of just a mopping up at the end of the thing. Uh, but in, as, essentially, between the Solaris and the tits, and, and the Rage fights, this this was there was more than a trillion ISK lost. Uh, on both sides in wormhole space in the last week or so, and that's been kind of crazy. And I think that, if anything, has has put wormholes front of mind for a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't be talking about it. Many of them, I think, got their first taste of wormhole fighting in this fight, whether it was on behalf of Titson or whether on behalf of HK and, the, and, and Laserhawks and those guys. Uh, because this was one of the first times I can remember where a lot of NullSec groups got, got called into it. Um, but I want to take it back a step, and Mittens and I can go back and forth on, on this because I think we, we've got just some basic questions. But I want to talk to the audience through this. We've been talking about evictions. Essentially, can you guys talk us through, or what is an eviction? How common are they? Have there been evictions of this size recently? Is this like the biggest thing in a while? I mean, how often does this type of thing happen? How exactly do you go about it and those types of things? Because I think... For a lot of us, you know, we're not used to the whole concept. Maybe your sob gets taken, but the idea that somebody can come in and just burn everything down and then leave, that's generally a rare thing in NullSec. It happens, but it's not like an everyday kind of occurrence. So can you guys talk us through that? I think the best way to describe evictions to people who live in NullSec is to describe them as a package deal NullSec soft war. 
if like so so sophomores you don't just do them because you hate the other person you do them because they're fun as hell to fight you do them because as i said on talking in stations they're the perfect storm of high stakes intense planning impactful decision making and butterfly effect every pilot matters moments all of these moments that we all love about eve and nullsec takes that entire uh, sorry wormhole evictions takes that entire experience and compacts it into three or four days of raw 24-hour fighting, or at least 24-hour playing EVE Online. So instead of planning a campaign over many months, all of the fighting is focused around one system, and the fighting lasts as long as the timers for the structures in that system last. So instead of having this, these many months, I've never fought an LSAT campaign as leadership, but I assume it's many months of stress and planning and meetings and such, and working out what to do. You just take one or two days off work, bang it out in a weekend and you've had a, a really fun compact eve experience in that time that seems reasonable and to, to clarify for chat uh you you were on the field in br5 and stuff like that but but it sounds like that you haven't really dealt too much with like actual like modern fuzzy saw like it sounds like you went into wormhole space after dominion or like during the i was is that accurate i was in i was in the drone regions for the war between skill and drf but i was not in a leadership position so my experience oh. as a line member I'll let you in on a secret, Lauro. Uh, most nullsec people don't describe soft warfare as tons of fun right now. We despise it. We do. We do it because of the hate and because of economic advantage. Like it, it, we basically we do it because we have to. This is going to be interesting, I think, because this is an opportunity for like the wormhole people and the nullsec people to like sort of disabuse each other of our of our illusions. But basically, one of the reasons why uh, the galaxy has changed the way it has is after they implemented Fozzysov during whenever the hell that shit went in. Uh, it, it became such a chore that we try to find any other means possible uh, to engage in warfare. And then once one side has basically admitted defeat, then sort of the cleanup crew comes in and we just try to get rid of the fuzzy soft stuff as fast as we can. And so uh, that's what it is. But I agree with the idea that it's a high stakes thing that's very compressed into a 24 hour thing. And it sounds like you guys don't have to deal with uh, fuzzy soft, which is really nice. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's uh, everything in, our, in, in evictions purely just about shooting stuff. There's no there's no solve wanting going on here. How common are they? I mean, is this something that every wormhole group is going to deal with at some point, or is this yes. something that only the big uh, guys absolutely have to deal with? Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, evictions are extremely common. Evictions of this scale that are this bloody, I would say, are pretty rare. Um, you know, I think, you know, just like we touched on when we were talking about the kind of biggest wormhole battles, uh, the last battle I can think of that was this big and this bloody was probably the eviction of Pospi, um, in, uh, 20, was it 2019? Yeah, it would have been 2018, uh, I think it was, was just it? before it, your, it was just before your fan press presentation. I remember. Yeah, but, uh, you're right. You're right. Um, yep. Um, you know, and like, Course are getting evicted from wormhole space all the time. Um, most of them probably turn, have little to no fighting. Um, it's somebody rolling over structures of the other, um, and that's it. And then there's a bunch of looting, and the attackers go home, and the defenders cry and put up new structures, move somewhere. Um, sometimes there's a fight. Um, it, it all boils down to kind of the how big the attacking force is and I think how strong the defenders are. Um, something that's extremely common in in, in, um, in wormhole space, you know, in part to the asset safety mechanics, uh, abandoned low power stuff does not sit around for very long. Like you don't you don't go through wormhole space and be like, man, look at all these low power astros that nobody cares about. Those things get mopped up quick. Um, 
that's I would say the number one reason corpse are going into another wormhole and blowing up all the structures is purely because they think it'll be easy in a pile of loot. I, I think is probably the number one reason um, when we're just looking at all evictions, not necessarily good ones, just all of them. Um, then, you know, you've got lots of other reasons that corpse go out and hit, hit uh, going and, and sieging each other. Uh, sometimes people do it just to provoke a fight. Um, you know, it's in, again, back due to our asset uh, safety me mechanics, um, I can go in a system, start shooting all their structures and say, if you do not come and stop me, you are going to lose all your stuff. Um, and there are, there's corpse that have done that, that go out, um, you know, provoke the fight. It also means that if you try to evict someone and you lose, then you can go, oh, it was a content eviction. We weren't actually trying. Cover your tracks very cleverly. Uh, I'm sure everybody, everybody's done that at least once or twice. It's always good to have a spin to fall back on if uh, oh, things don't work out the way you expect. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, and then um, ones of this scale, I would say, are, are pretty rare. Um, there's been a couple other large-ish ones we've seen over the last couple of months, um, but none that kind of reached this high. I mean, Mouth Trump got evicted a couple months ago. Um, before that, <laughs> excuse me, Beyond the Breach was evicted. Um, there's been, uh, you know, medium-sized evictions, um, or you could call if you could call those large, as long as you want to just acknowledge that I think Solaris is also on a, its own entire um, its entire level. What do you think, Laura? I think 100 v 100 is classed as large in wormhole space, which is about where Beyond the Breach got to, which was a Fortisar and a C2. And they ended up undocking a ridiculous amount of caps, something like 30 or 40 carriers, which is a lot for wormhole space. In a C2, they would have built them all in there and handed them out to members for the defense. I think the final fight for Solaris was something like 350 to 450 on our side versus 450 to 550 on your side, sort of more about as even as you're going to get. In, if you if in you include online. some of the uh, the fleets that were there, but. Uh of questionable impact i think we were up to over 600 but mm. we had some we had some fleets come in to come join the fight from nullsec that didn't uh they didn't stay on the field for very long so their impact is questionable as the <laughs> as the fort gunner for that fight i'm taking full credit for that what the guys are talking about is if you've ever flown with asher and goons there's always about a 50 percent chance that he will warp you into a pds and you will all die and apparently that happened in, Pol in awesome. Solaris on Sunday night. So, gotta love it. In his defense, my working theory is that he didn't realize he was warping on top of a hostile fort. Because he, no, he that's was... exactly it. Uh, coordination got super shitty once, uh, like, stuff was kicking off. And I had, you know, we had multiple FCs being like, I'm going here. I'm going over there. I'm going to go take care of that group. Because, you know, um, what, what, another thing that's just from my, experience is very uncommon in wormhole space is this wasn't just two blobs smashing into each other each side had entire different wings competing to do their own objectives all along the grid there were people whose job was stop this fort from repairing regardless of what's going on over there we had a dread squad whose only job was to chase after hard Knox's carrier crew and keep mulching them then we had carriers whose job it was to chase after the tempest fleet issues um yeah, so I, that I sounds mean, like that what we what we would call a uh, null sec fleet fight is what you just described. I mean, yeah, it, it's but that that doesn't I, you do, don't see you that think, often. 
Yeah, yeah like actually, this is the more. thing. Like, uh, just in terms of, I'm going to try to offer from my side of the aisle in null sec, like never go into wormhole space except for a couple times, whole squad on that real shit. Um, but basically, like, you know, in, in NullSec battles, there are lots of like little fleets and wings. Like, you know, we don't just have fleets that we smash into each other. There are usually like multiple fleets going for multiple objectives simultaneously across a battle space, which can be like a constellation or more. Uh, so like, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's like a stereotype of like F1 monkeys who are just like mashing ships into each other. But what you just described, which is a really cool and fun thing, is one of the reasons why we like NullSec fleet fights, because you have, uh, you know, support fleets going around and doing stuff and having multiple objectives simultaneously simultaneously in this very complex battle space. So that's cool. That sounds like a great fight. That's a lot rarer in, in a wormhole simply because of the scale. The average battle in wormholes is what, 50 v 50? You're kind of wasting your time with multiple wings. You'll have an FC over command of four people. Four it, that it, makes it, sense. It's fairly uncommon. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think from at least from our perspective, that's one of the things that that is interesting to me about wormhole space is that we're used to massive fights, you know, where like a big fight is 3,000 to 4,000 people. And for you guys, a big fight is 100 people, but you still got the content. And I think my big question, at least in terms of evictions, because I, I see that as one, one form of conflict driver in wormhole space. What else do you guys think are the primary conflict drive? We talk about conflict drivers all the time in NullSec, and we're, we're particularly convinced now that there are too few of them and that's one of the reasons why there's this feeling of malaise in nullsec and it seems like because of this eviction regardless of whatever the reasons were and i don't care about getting into that but the fact that you guys did it that was solid content for a lot of players not just in wormholes but in nullsec for about a week or so that that's great but what, what else what other conflict drivers do you guys have is it all about isk is it a, is it is it you know personal things is it just control of 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 the best areas to 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 rat and 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 mine in what's what what drives you guys to fight each other i think for the most part the only other i would say major conflict driver in wormhole space is purely i want to shoot things and they want to shoot things too um wormhole space does not have a lot of fighting over the space there there is some i i don't want to you know i don't want to say that no corp has ever fought another corp purely because they wanted that specific system that they were fighting over um but there's way more wormhole systems than there are corps that actually need and want to be holding them so if i'm a corp that just wants a place to stay um then uh you know i don't need to do an entire campaign to go take a space for it there's a lot of systems that are either not defended at all or very poorly defended i could take it from um most of your wormhole conflict is literally i'm scanning i find their corp they they have dudes i have dudes we put fleets together and smash them into each other um and you know uh I'd say that's the majority of the fights that happen. There's tons of ganking too, right? Like there's people ratting all the time in wormholes. We're hunting for them. We're catching dreads, ratting nesters, ratting rattlesnakes, all the same kind of similar things that people do when they're out roaming um, out in Nullsec too. But uh, that's your your quick little dick dunked something and I'm out. Because um, unlike Nullsec, catching ratters rarely escalates. When it does, I'd say is actually super, super cool when it escalates into people. But a lot of wormholers are farming by themselves in isolated pockets. So if they get caught, they're just dead. It doesn't usually lead to defenders showing up and back and forthing um, 
which I know is also generally one of the more exciting parts of Nullsec is when I tackled that Rorqual. Next thing you know, I'm fighting the fleet that showed up to save it, not even the Rorqual. And that's most of the time why we tackle the Rorks in the first place. We, we care less about killing whales as we do about the uh, the defense fleet, which is more fun. I died this morning to uh, to a defense fleet. I can't remember. Pando, I don't even remember who we were fighting. But, uh, yeah, I, I was that's bad fantastic. and got off anchor and died. Yeah, so I, I want to dive into sort of the the biggest mystery for me because like I sort of ran off to go do uh, sort of prepare for things and whatever, and then this whole shit show actually kicked off pretty much right after uh, the the meta show episode last Saturday. Like Pando was doing this weird flanking maneuver and whatever, and then when the dust had sort of settled, I was sort of looking around and going, "Okay, guys, why is everybody so mad?" in wormhole space like you know if you if you looked at the the eve subreddit it's just plastered with wormhole memes which are incomprehensible to my simple mitten mind like i i do not understand why they're very angry but they are very very angry and i could tell that something happened but it's whatever it's uh, it's like snake jazz but like basically uh what i'd like to understand is if one of you or both of you could maybe explain uh there's something involving frigate holes that involves CCP and some people are mad and some people appear to be blaming Exuki or not blaming him and it's about something else. But I, I can just tell that there is a tremendous amount of butt blast and I appreciate a good butt blast because I love to get mad about internet spaceship games. It's one of my favorite hobbies. So no disrespect for getting mad about internet spaceship video games. But if somebody could please explain to me in very, very small mitten simple words, what the fuck? Shall, shall I take this one since all yours, allegedly, allegedly most of the mad came from me. I had a very, uh, went on talking in stations with little to no sleep and it went very badly for me. So I'll, I'll try and do some corrections there. So, um, it, it, it would help if I started explaining why wormhole rolling is important for evictions. Essentially, when you roll up into someone's home system, generally the defending force is going to be bigger than the attacking force, simply because defenders can call on a lot of friends, because evictions are mean, and they tend to attract a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uh, good Samaritans willing to come and help you fight off the big bat. What attackers will do, they'll roll up with a, a sizable force bigger than the defender's own individual corp, and then they'll lock down the system by rolling off all of the wormhole connections. What that does essentially is, is, it, is it, it's, it's been referred to as a drawbridge mechanic. It essentially cuts off the system from the rest of EVE and gives the attackers the fight that they want to dictate against the defenders. And often, firstly, because the defenders have, capital, have a lot of capitals in their home, usually. And secondly, because there are, there are mechanics where defenders can force allies to get into the wormhole. It, it's, um, it, it, it can sometimes be balanced, but for the most part, it is attackers locking down a system with the advantage, with the prior notice, because of course defenders don't know that they're about to be evicted. And it is somewhat skewed towards attack. Well, it is quite a bit skewed towards attackers. I'll concede that. And now we get to frigate wormholes. Frigate wormholes are simply put wormholes that only frigates and destroyers can travel through. Uh, that you used to be able to roll them off like any other wormhole using a, using a, a loophole in mechanics that I, I won't go into the details to, but essentially that loophole has been closed and frigate wormholes can no longer be rolled, which means that if you're an attacking group and you're evicting somebody and a frigate wormhole spawns, there is now a 16 hour duration connection to another system that the attackers can do nothing at all about. And the defenders can stream in as much support as they want, which 
admittedly it can only be in frigates and destroyers, but once those def defense allies get in the system, the defenders can then hand out as many ships as they want, which in Tedison's case, they had hundreds upon hundreds of uh, Tempests to hand out. So uh, it's a it's a gate, basically, that only, it's like a 16-hour Stargate that only uh, frigs and destroyers can get through, but yeah. I'm assuming all of that, and I'm sure that means like T2 destroyers as well and yeah, all the flavors of frigates. It, okay. The game uses a mass limit. Any ship that is less than 5 million kilograms can fit. So that's your frigates, your destroyers. Uh, it's actually also including heavy interdictors if they're using um, a zero mass entangler, which is a module CCP gave us that let you shrink the size of a heavy interdictor. Um, so that they can also fit. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, it's right now, especially with the power of Kikis and, and stealth bombers, you can project a, a good amount of power through them. And, and when, did, when did this, like, again, I know nothing about this. When did this, hey guys, congratulations, you have a fucking Stargate. When did you guys get a Stargate with a time limit on it added to the game? Like how how recently like is this coming or is this already in? Um, when did this happen? It was it was added years ago, but we used to be able to roll them off and to close them off early. Right, but yeah, now you can. We, we lost the ability to to remove them. It was it wasn't even a month ago. It was very recently. Sort of okay. we were in we were in the final planning stages of moving into TD Sin's home when this sort of change came out, and there was a there was a huge argument about whether we should go ahead with it or not. And what, 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 could you guys walk through a little bit of what you guys were concerned about with that? Was there, was there an idea that this was going to make it impossible to yeah, essentially absolutely. throw the Procullus up or, or is that, was, okay, so that was the so, big argument was we wouldn't be able to stop people coming in. So to put it simply, Hard Knocks never went into this expecting to make money. We, we got 500 billion out of the loot, which was more than we expected. Honestly, we invested a ridiculous amount into it, something like 700 to 800 billion -esque as a corp. That, those 200 Tempest Fleet issues you saw on field, they weren't personal Tempest Fleet issues. Corp built them all in the wormhole, fitted them with all of those faction Dead Space mods and handed them out to anybody who came to help us. It was a huge amount of investment. And TD Sin, as you know, have been in that wormhole for five years. They've had five years to build up a substantial carrier fleet in the triple figures, far more carriers than we have battleships. And what's more, we knew that they were allied with the initiative, if nothing else from, firstly, TD Sin have a couple of dual citizens with initiative, uh, people who were in both cops at the same time and secondly exuki being on the initiative csm ballots like we had a we had a feeling the initiative would be involved so we were nervous that if a frigate hole spawned we uh we would get overwhelmed by a thousand man nullsec alliance or they usually put 200 to 300 on field which is more which is more than our entire sort of wormhole cfc coalition put together we field about 200 to 300 i think at full strength now to be clear the connections are random. We have no idea when they're going to pop, when you're going to get a frigate hole, when you're going to... I mean, your statics can change size. Is that right? Uh, yeah, the, the frigate holes are not static. That's correct. Okay, so those so are not static holes. Random. Okay, all right. No, they're not. Completely random. The reason we went ahead with it, regardless, is because we thought we could still roll them. We had a technique that we'd not tested. It was basically throwing 200 Higgs Riggs Talwas through and back the wormhole repeatedly over the course of 20 or 30 minutes. And we thought we understood frigate hole mechanics and we thought that would be enough to collapse it. But frigate holds regenerate mass depending on how many people you put through them. We didn't know this beforehand. So when the Delve frigate hole spawned in Rage, which is, which is how the Initiative and Goonswim got in with their beachhead, we noticed that six hours before the Initiative and Goonswim fleets came in and we attempted to roll it throughout the course of those six hours and it wasn't successful because we misunderstood the mechanics. 
Do any of um, the other wormholes regenerate mass like that? I think no. that I think there is. I think low sector C sixes do exo, but I'm not sure about that. But it's it essentially no. None of them do. Okay, because that that seems like a pretty crazy uh, change. It is for you guys to um, have to anticipate right before a major eviction. That's just nuts. It is. I'll, uh, I I was very unhappy at the time. I, I, I was very unhappy when I was on Talking in Stations, essentially because it looked like we were going to lose our home just for the sake of just evicting TV Sin, which didn't look very good at the time. As it happens, thankfully, the final fight on the TDSN timers was such a fantastic perfect storm of what makes EVE Online amazing that the MAD basically evaporated in the space of about two hours. We had an absolute blast. I think I think Izuki had a blast as well. I've, I've heard a lot of good things from TDSN about how much they enjoyed that fight. And I think it just goes to show that we far from wasted our time making this eviction happen. It was great content for nearly a thousand people. So I've got two, que I got two questions real quick just to go over some of the stuff because I'm still interested in it. The first thing... Sure. Uh, Izuki, are you guys going to go back to Solaris? I know that HK has been back to Rage. We've evicted them. They've come back. Are you guys going to stick with Solaris, or are you going to go somewhere else and, and, and build a new home? Uh, we're we're going to move. Uh, it smells really bad there now. Um, <laughs> Hard knocks self-destructed a lot of stuff, and there's it's, there's, it's a ruined place. Um, so I think... Like, uh, bad memories. We, yeah. Um, we're we're going to be moving somewhere. Uh, exactly where is the surprise? Um, but uh, we're uh, TDSense decided to go try something new, so we'll be um, going to uh, somewhere besides Solaris. And my, my second question is more in general, and I know that I was I was not surprised, but I think a lot of people who had not been in wormhole space before were surprised when we evicted HK from Rage the second time about how little loot there was, and I think there was always this belief that well, you you hit a big uh, wormhole group. There's, it's going to be a loot pinata. You're going to make a ton because there's no asset safety, so everything's going to drop, and not a ton of stuff dropped. And I know that, at least in terms of, of TDSN, because they were there for five years and had not been evicted in that time, that they had a lot of stuff, and you always have players that go AFK and things like that that don't realize the stuff's going on. But if you know there's an eviction, you know that, that the potential for evictions are there, What can you? and you don't have asset safety because it's a wormhole, what do you guys do? How, what can, can you do to mitigate the potential to lose everything? I mean, how do you, how do you, is it haulers? I mean, do you, what's the, what, what types uh, yeah, of things essentially, have you guys used? It's, it's haulers, but not just sort of tech one haulers. It's, it's freighters and carriers. If you safe log a ship, then all of the assets in the ship are safe in wormhole space, just like they are in Nelsec. So you fill a freighter with as much stuff as you can carry and safe log it. And even for someone like me, I'm, I have four PvP pilots, and all of those PvP pilots own one of each Doctrine ship. So I can quad box whatever I want. I could repackage everything that I own and fit it all into one freighter. It's just an army of haulers, essentially, and carriers. So do you guys set it up so that, like, say, for every account that you have, you know, you've got your one main tune that does things, and then two alts that are basically skilled into haulers that can just go and safe log for months at a time without worrying about it. Is that tends to be what you guys do? Um, it's not that organized. Essentially, in about August, when we moved back into Rage, I made a form post that was essentially buy freighters in full caps. And I spammed this everywhere I could for about a month after that. And it turns out people listened to me, and they bought freighters. And we did lose a lot of our PvP strength because people were logged off in their freighters. I think it is worth noting why we didn't fight in Rage. Uh, because it's sort of related to this. When uh, 
when the initiative and Guntung came in, we were, were like TD Sin, we were faced with a battle on two fronts. We were faced with a battle in Rage and a battle in Solaris. And there's three choices there. You either try and split your forces half and half, or you choose one of the two to commit to. And we didn't want to split our forces half and half simply because we are severely outnumbered. There's, there's no way that can go well. And out of the two, Solaris was the more likely victory. So we potted out every PvP pilot we had from Rage and put them all into TDs in home before the initiative and Gunson had even fully taken hold control. So the only pilots left in Rage were uh, Dreadnought Carrier and Freighter pilots that were there to log off in assets. And yes, we could have fielded as a, a substantial capital fleet, but if we were to put a carrier on field and then the carrier dies and then loses his pod, we're not just losing that cap, we're losing the 50 to 100 bill freighter jam-packed with personal assets that that pilot would have logged off in. And that's why we didn't fight in Rage. We, I was, me and the other FCs, we were not prepared to risk our members' assets just to save some structures. We weren't prepared to do that. I understand. Now, one of the questions that I had had, and I thought this was interesting because one of the things that we've seen, one of the new NullSec uh, aspects of the new NullSec meta, especially with the, with the creation of alpha clones and those types of things, is most of the big NullSec groups now require their pilots all to have at least one alpha account that is strictly for home defense, that's trained up to fly Feroxes or something, you know, something smaller that they can use just to defend Sov in the event of Sov trolling when they're deployed, when they're, when they're out, you know, fighting somewhere else and they're not back home. Do you guys do anything like that? Did you have any characters that were like spe specifically for home defense? Do, is that a wormhole thing yet? Do you, have you guys started doing that? And that's open to either of you. Uh, we didn't simply because I could not imagine the prospect of bothering my members to update their skill queues every day. It's not, it's not part of it because I, because I know it would have been my job if we went ahead with something like that. And I just didn't, I didn't fancy it. But I know, I know TD Sin have done something similar to that. Uh, T yeah. So in, in TD Sin, we have a, a program set up that way. Uh, we don't, we didn't require all of our members to, we suggested it. So we had a lot of people who had alts ready to go in a tempest um and which they were they were of use i mean they didn't win us the fight or turn the tide but i think they were they were helpful we had people who you know just because of timing their mains were stuck out for some of the fights but they were able to be there on an alpha tune we had people that once they got potted on their omegas they were just hot swapping and get through getting another tempest right into the fight um since a lot of the fights had you know, Macarials and Tempest shooting, Tempest and Tempest fleet issues, they were able to do something. Um, I heard mixed results from the people that were actually doing it on whether or not they felt like it was a good use of their time. Um, but uh, we, we did um, have a lot of people that had alts in the system ready to help out. Um, you know, be, another thing it, it lets you do is uh, it lets me have tunes that I can effectively just throw away um, because if they get potted out, it's not an immense loss. Whereas if I'm losing my mains and my omegas and they're getting potted out for the fight, that's uh, a much larger loss. I think that, uh, you know, using alpha clones like that is something that is really only effective when it's done at scale and it has to be coordinated at sort of like a macro level. And you have to like reinforce that week that's after true. week on like a, a fireside chat in order to get people to do it. You need to have skill plans. You basically have to have that kind of, uh, you know, a, a level of, uh, organization and systems to be able to get that to be uh, a useful thing. And, and that's something that you really only see, I think, in the, the major NullSec empires, which sort of brings me to my segue, uh, which is, 
Um, you know, one of the things that uh, when I see a whole bunch of people getting angry and I heard that there was like, you know, a variety of NullSec entities sort of showing up and I guess Goonstorm sent a fleet uh, and it got vaporized or whatever, but it was obviously, at least obvious to me, not like, you know, we send fleets everywhere all the time on like a daily basis and we actually do not keep track of how many, like at, at the top level of a NullSec empire, I couldn't tell you how many fleets we have out on a given day and where they're going unless they're part of like a strategic campaign. And I understand that the initiative in particular has a lot more interest in this. Like, you know, they, as far as I was concerned, this whole wormhole nonsense only really popped up on my radar uh, when you guys like when, when the initiative like, you know, stuck their dick into rage and like did some sort of thing. They were like, okay, sure, we'll send fleets, whatever. I don't care. It's like a side project for us, um, but not really, you know, there's no strategic interest and I don't care. Like there's no money to be made. There's no empires to be crushed. I don't give a shit. Uh, but, but my question is basically while we're trying to like air our grievances or figure out what the hell is going on uh, is like, do you guys often see NullSec inter entities getting involved in these big fights? And like, is there a perception that like, um, like, do you guys think that we care and that we're secretly like pulling strings or like we're doing something like, I, I guess the, the question is broadly, what is the view of wormhole people when you see on these big events, like a random NullSec fleet, are you reacting to it? Like, oh my God, Goonswarm is getting involved. Or is it like, lol, they just got themselves blacked by a PDS and who cares? Let's go back to our fight. Like if you could both speak a little bit about the perceptions of NullSec getting involved in these things. So NullSec getting involved is generally quite taboo. And the reason for that is, as I said earlier, the scale, because you guys can form a fun fleet and throw 150, 200, like uh, Ash's fleet that, that he took to uh, to Solaris for the final timer, for example, was I think 180 strong. Yeah, that's and like for hard, knocks, for hard Knocks to put 180 on field. The, we, did a, we did a four hour pre-ping for an op in TDS in home a few weeks ago, and we put a hundred on field, I think, in Hard Knocks, and that was a, a monumental amount for us. We were very impressed with that. Hard Knocks as a corp is, we're not big. We have, let me just count my Discord. I have 75 people in our Discord server. So that's 75 real people. So we're, we're averaging, a, like we're really not that big. So wow. it's, it's, it's not so much oh my God, we hate NullSec so much. It's, oh my God, we hate the scale of NullSec so much. <laughs> That's so when, fair. Okay. That's yes. so, when it, so for example- I love it. Yeah, we'll take the Beyond the Breach eviction fruit example, which was essentially a C2 Corp that got evicted by Inner Hell. And for their final timer, they bat phoned anyone they could possibly get a hold of, including a few NullSec groups. And nobody really cared that NullSec went to defend them because they were just sort of, they were just a few smatterings of not probably not even 20 or 30 people total from NullSec. And it was just, oh, okay, that's just another group coming to help their friends. But then um, talking about the bat phones on each side for the TDCN eviction is just going to turn into a game of, oh, well, they called NullSec first. So I'll, I'll summarize it quickly. Essentially, um, when the initiative turned up on the TDCN side with 100 and I think it was 140, 150, which was more people was right. than we had, yeah. Which was more people than we had online at that time because it was close to the end of EU time zone, and we were down to about eighty to ninety in fleet. So when the bat phoning force, firstly the first force to arrive to a wormhole eviction is Nelsec, and secondly it's bigger than our entire attacking force online at the time. The gloves came off then, and that's when the that's when the frat bat phone and the NCPL bat phone appeared. They were very last minute things. Um, 
I, I can sit here and say, well, we wouldn't have called Melsec if you hadn't called in it. And then Exuki will say, well, we wouldn't have told in it to go to your home if you hadn't have called FrapPL. It turns into a bit of a name well, calling. Thing. I didn't tell in it to go to your home. Let's just clarify well, that one line. Well, I kind of saw that opportunity. You didn't tell it. them not to. Well, well, you know, let's uh, you know, just one at a time here. Again, I can tell that people are like mad about spaceships, which is good. Uh, but you know, Laura Seco, you're you're giving that explanation, and I, I kind of like to hear it from. Uh, Exuki's side is, uh, you know, again, like, what is your take on the whole nullsec involvement and all of that? Big sigh. So, um, so I mean, I think I I, I uh, echo the majority of of Loro's statements. Uh, I think nullsec involvement for a long time has been taboo. Um, wormhole corpse, wormhole space in general likes to think of itself as separated from the rest of Eve. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of wormholers that like to think themselves as significantly better than everyone in Nullsec. You know, you see it all over Reddit. Uh, I'm not opening that can of worms, but, you know, so... um, Doesn't threaten me any. Go ahead. You can say it if you want. So, well, like, you know, for example, when when Rage was getting hit the first time um, in 20... At the end of 2017, um, or 2018, um, you know, a lot of wormhole space banded together if only because wormhole space versus nullsec was a thing a banner people got behind um you know there's a lot of corporations that chose to come try to help hard knocks even though i suspect many of them probably wouldn't have if it was just wormholers shooting wormholers but because the big bad nullsec was coming into our our business and shooting all of our stuff a lot of corporations were there trying to help rage um I think that that, to, that taboo is still there. There's a lot of corporations that are uh, uh, not very fond of that. But I also think that I think it's slowly diminishing over time, partially because um, while the scale that Laura just touched on is absolutely true, uh, wormhole corps are bigger than they were several years ago. Um, and so that, you know, while there's, I'm not going to even attempt to argue that the difference that wormhole wormhole corps are not suddenly much closer to outnumbering most of your null fleets, but um, that gap is is there. You know, uh, there were <clears throat> hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of wormholers on both sides of the of the Solaris fight. Even before we take any null sec into account, there were tons and tons of wormholers there at a scale that is very rare and, un- and generally unprecedented. Um, so I. I'm not think I'm not sure that we're going to see giant fights of that scale constantly. Um, I don't think that we're going to see, you know, whole f- crews of, of various nullsec entities inserting themselves into every little thing happening in wormhole space. Um, I do think that it will be slowly but probably increasingly more common for a variety of different reasons moving forward, though, that we see stuff happening because i think some of the scales that wormhole space has slowly been edging towards is getting closer to being interesting like if 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 you guys were to hear hey 20 man wormhole corpse asking for help fighting 40 people in their wormhole i think most groups even i mean plenty other wormhole groups might roll their eyes but when i say it's 200 and 200 versus 300 versus 400 oh and there's now like 60 caps on field you know we don't have supers or titans but uh regardless of allegiances i think if you got the call that hey i've got 80 carriers sitting on a fort here fighting 
<clears throat> whatever. I think the interest level has been creeping up as well. So I think between eviction scale rising and wormhole corpse scales rising that uh, we've kind of broken through the noise floor in some places, I think. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was more NullSec involvement in wormhole space over 2020. I, uh, you know, I, I think that sort of makes sense. And if there, there's one thing that I kind of want to make clear, uh, you know, one of the challenges that we have is that in NullSec, we take diplomacy very serious, right? Like we, we have a level of insanity when it comes to Diplo that uh, most entities uh, outside of NullSec do not have. Um, and one of the, the challenges that we have, of course, in the Imperium is that the initiative really seems to give a shit about wormholes and I do not give a flying fuck, right? Like we, we try to do things there, uh, but mainly I think that what you're going to see is NullSec entities will interfere in wormhole space, not because we have like an objective or an, like a strategic interest that we're attempting to advance, but like basically like what happened from my perspective while we were dealing with all the chaos the last week was basically like, sure, why not initiative decided to get involved in this and like, I guess we can send a fleet and whatever, who cares? I think that you're gonna see NullSec involvement sort of be like a sine wave of activity because this event that took place, uh, you know, last weekend uh, happened at a time when uh, there was a massive power vacuum, vacuum opening up in the galactic Northwest, right? Like the, the timing of what happened and I think the involvement of so many NullSec entities in this fight that you guys had, which I, I want to reiterate, and I think should probably be pretty obvious by now that is just utterly strategically irrelevant to us. Like the kind of numbers you guys are tying. And I, I don't mean that to be like, you guys suck. I know that the, the whole idea is that the wormhole pilots think that they are better than NullSec pilots because it's like, you know, high speed, low drag, you know, bleeding edge, you know, NullSec pilots are F1 monkeys or whatever. But like uh, in terms of strategic interests, it just does not matter to us. Uh, and I think what happened here is that because uh, basically Dead Coalition and uh, Sword Dragon. Now I'm going to speak Nullsec-ese here, basically. Uh, an, an autocrat and an entire coalition that held the Galactic Northwest essentially took themselves off the, chas the chessboard, opening up this huge power vacuum that there's this big question as to if, is FRT going to be filling it? Who's going to fill the space that used to be in the Galactic Northwest? And everyone was sort of like looking to see how the cards were falling and just as everybody's like, okay, well, we're not doing this war thing anymore. Who's going to get the Northwest? Okay, Sword Dragon's off the chessboard. A uh, whole bunch of entities are going to join the Imperium from former Dead Co. Okay, what's happening? And then, you know, Initiative decided to pick a fight in Wormhole Space, and we had nothing else going on. And so we sent people in there. Uh, so I, I do think you'll see more NullSec inter interference, intervention, whatever. But I think that's going to be mediated by... Uh, whether we have stuff that's important to us, right? Because from a top-down perspective, right? If you're telling me that Hard Knocks only has 75 people on Discord, right? What I'm hearing is, is that what we would call that in NullSec land, uh, or at least Imperium land, uh, a Dunbar's number org, right? It's something that has less than 150 human beings. Everybody's like a little mini tribe. They all know each other. And there isn't really like institutions and bureaucracies or anything that is sent there as like a command and control structure. Like in the Imperium and Gunswarm, we have a coordination team that is essentially like a military style, almost like a cross between military uh, command uh, system and a air traffic control system and we're like we're monitoring fleets as they go into different areas of the galaxy and shit like that uh and you need that kind of scale and bureaucracy in order to organize when you have tens of thousands of people as opposed to me and 75 of my friends where we all know each other by name and we're all like you know in those under dunbar's number orgs um so i, I think it's a it's really an interesting process to see these entities collide uh and uh i guess 
we'll just sort of see what happens. I, I sort of went off on a riff there. I think it is interesting to see that this took place because of this lull in NullSec politics. Uh, and I, uh, so you don't have to worry about it. If NullSec is busy killing each other, you guys can have fights and we probably just won't give a shit. That's that's the takeaway. And yeah, we, uh, if, you, if you see Goonswarm coming into something and it's, you know, when we have a fleet of like 200 guys, that is a like a peacetime fleet. That is like a small random fleet that's probably not even on the radar of our court. I mean, it's probably on the coordination team's radar, but it's like not a big deal. And my concern in all this is that you guys are thinking, oh my God, NullSec is like sending its tendrils into wormhole space and they really care because, you know, these are rounding error numbers No, we, we don't think that. Absolutely okay. not. Good. Yeah, there's there's a lot of narrative going around. I've heard the word I've heard the word proxy war being thrown around. It's the fight in Solaris. It, yeah, it's. I'm glad you think it's as ridiculous as I do. The fight in Solaris was Hard Knocks versus TD Sen. It's 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 as simple I, as that. I, no, I agree with you. Now, what I, what I would say to Mittens as well as to you is that I think there is the potential here for Cold War style proxy wars if if you guys, as as Exuki was saying, are are feeling a little less willing to enforce a social taboo against NullSec getting involved. Because I'll tell you from a, from an anecdotal perspective, I talked to one of my friends who's a very you know solid FC and, and PanFam, and I asked, why did you guys come? You know, His brother was a former Titson member, and he, he liked Titson, and, 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 and I was like, why did you guys even show up? And he said, well, we came because you were there. So I feel like there's, there's a possibility of this becoming a situation where you know, one wormhole group fighting another wormhole group. If NullSec has nothing else going on, it suddenly becomes, well, the Soviet Union is going to get involved here. And then, so, of course, the United States has to get involved here. And we got a little Cold War thing going. And you've got, all of a sudden, you got the Korean War where it's, you know, two powers fighting each other. But it's really a proxy war for something bigger. I think that's possible. As I don't think it's obviously, I don't think it was the situation that, that happened recently. I do think there is the potential for that down the road. And that might be interesting to see if that happens. I know you guys don't like that, but hey, you know, if you can take advantage of the fact that everybody that you may ask for help has somebody opposing them that hates their guts enough to show up just to fuck with them, that I think is a potential for, you know, maybe getting a little bit more content for you guys. Just keep that in mind. I have one other thing to say. I just want to make this very clear to anybody in wormhole space that might be confused about what it looks like when NullSec gives a shit, particularly what it looks like when the Imperium gives a shit. I know that Initiative is very interested in like wormhole space because they are kind of like our high-speed low drag. That's low our drag. thing. Yeah, like they're We're the biggest really... goons uh, sick, right? Yeah, you guys are basically like the scalpel, <laughs> and uh, it's awesome that we have like a scalpel for the Imperium that you guys get to go do these like precision strikes and do like wacky like for what we call small group. Uh, kind of like specialist combat. Uh, but if there is ever a situation where there is a strategic interest for our people, when I say our people, I mean not all NullSec, but for my people in the Imperium, there will be no fairness. I do not care about what people think about their PvP skill. I do not care about what is fair. All that we care about is victory and the total annihilation of anyone who opposes our strategic interest. Now, we do play nice when we're doing content kind of things, but basically, if you guys think, and it sounds like you don't, but just word to the wise, no. when we take something seriously, it's like what we did in Tribute. It didn't matter if anybody was fighting back, we were just going to glass region after region until everyone is terrified of us getting serious about going after them. So don't worry if you see a fleet here and there, we're probably just bored because if we're taking it seriously, there is no hope we will annihilate you. But we're not going to do that because it doesn't matter. It's fucking wormhole space. Just have fun, guys. And if we're busy in, if we're busy in NullSec, 
I think that what the, my takeaway from this is basically, if uh, NullSec is healthy, we're busy trying to kill each other at scale. And so it is in the interest of wormhole space for NullSec gameplay to be good and happy and engaging because we'll be over here doing our thing and you guys can go over there and do your thing. And uh, if we're busy murdering each other, then you don't really have anything to worry about except for the odd fleet here. All right, so uh, we've run over time a little bit and uh, I appreciate you guys coming on. Again, like this is all uh, Greek to me. And, uh, you know, so there you go. That's my, that's the, the official position of the state when it comes to uh, in, intervention in wormhole politics. I, I really appreciate our guests coming on. Brisk, if you would uh, do us the kindness of uh, wrapping things up, I think we're done for uh, this week. We'll be back next week with some more cool shit. We have uh, both, uh, is it Rise and Signal are going to be on board. We do. Uh, which is going to be fantastic, isn't it? I'm looking forward to next week's show. As, as Mitten said, we were able to secure an interview with CCP Rise, CCP Signal. Uh, they're going to talk about, I assume, the frigate, uh, the battleship changes with, with the frigate uh, addition to those battleships. We're also probably going to talk about uh, whatever else gets announced that's going to be in that release. Uh, that could to be them on the show. super dope. Could I be. can't wait. I think it's going to be I great. Mean, you know, um, because what I think will be really cool to watch is so obviously with FanFest not happening, ha happening, um, there's a lot of stuff that CCP was going to be announcing, and then there's a lot, a lot of it's stuff that I would say I'm excited to hear and see them sharing with everyone. So if any of that gets gets announced between now and your next show, you guys could have some really cool stuff to be talking about. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you guys all uh, are are going to be watching and looking forward to it. And hopefully, Lauro and Zuki, we hope to have you guys back. This was a great show. I mean, obviously, it's very rare for Mitten and I to go over time. Both of us uh, are pretty pretty regimented on how long we, we we have to talk. So the fact that we were able to keep you guys on for another fifteen minutes, I think that speaks a lot about how interesting this topic was and how little we knew about it. So we appreciate you being here. I'd also like to say to all of my Irish friends, uh, Happy St. Patrick's Day on Tuesday. Uh, to all of my Irish friends, to all of my fellow Americans who have an Irish ancestry, go out there, enjoy uh, a drink on Tuesday, and remember why Ireland doesn't have snakes. And with that. That has been the Meta Show for March the 14th, 2020. You stay classy, New Eden.